Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Today's topic is workplace misconduct, and my guest is Ben Monas, the CEO of Fama. His company recently published a report called The State of Misconduct. Among other things, they found that seven of the nine industries covered faced misconduct by at least 5% of their workforce. 11% of candidates behave badly too. So what's an employer to do? It starts by understanding what's going on. And that's what we'll get into on this edition of People Tech. Hi, Ben. Welcome. It's good to see you. So Fama and um, Recruiting Daily published research uh, on the state of misconduct at work. Um, for some reason, I just found that fascinating. Can you tell me about the research, but also what prompted it? Yeah, sure. So uh, the State of uh, Workplace Misconduct Report uh, is a report that we try to put out uh, uh, about every year or so. And the thinking behind it is sort of connecting uh, what workplace misconduct means for the enterprise, right? I think too often we sort of look at a, you know, workplace misconduct is something that, you know, we review in kind of the the aftermath, right? Something that sort of comes out on a spreadsheet or, you know, hey, we, we had this turnover, right? Or we had this lawsuit, right? This is the event that happened. But all too often, I think the, the signals of workplace misconduct, the connection of why we're doing background screening, why we're screening people in general, right? The, the sort of why and what for behind it, what is the impact on businesses, whether it's productivity, whether it's turnover, whether it's brand protection, et cetera, how does misconduct in the workplace impact the company itself, right? And how can we look at signals of workplace misconduct as they've evolved over time uh, to kind of identify those signals as they kind of reflect in the information age, what's on social media, Google, et cetera, the signs of misconduct evolving. What we've done with this report is essentially said, hey, look, we're going to connect these signals of workplace misconduct to real world impact inside of companies and start going industry by industry. So companies can kind of know how pervasive, for example, misconduct might be in their industry, how they can benchmark, for example, their company against their peers and begin building policies, programs, and strategies essentially to reduce that misconduct in the workplace. So what we're trying to do here is sort of peel back, I would say, the uh, the curtain to some degree and, and start looking and saying, all right, well, how are these signals of workplace misconduct varying by industry and how are they affecting companies? That was really the purpose of the research. And yeah, a lot of it was helping companies benchmark and understand what's out there. Now, <clears throat> HR Acuity did a study of its own. They found more than half of, uh, of employees, 57%, left the job, at least in part because of somebody's misconduct. Uh, f- since you've got you know such a wide view of it, can you put that number in context? It seems like an awful lot. Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of these things, again, that too often goes unnoticed until we review the output of such misconduct, right? And so when we think about the impacts of workplace misconduct, it's more around you know, what we call kind of the the social multiplier effect. So I saw the acuity research on, you know, people more likely to leave a company, productivity, of course, going down through that period as well. But what most people don't realize is that the misconduct in the workplace has a a multiplier effect of about 1.6. 
That means that for every incident of workplace misconduct, there is a 0.6% more likelihood, 0.6, so 60% more likelihood that there's going to be another you know, workplace misconduct event uh, at that company. So when we think about it, it's much more, it's not just one event and one event happening, but really, you know, this question of how does one event lead to kind of a daisy chain and normalization, if you will, of misconduct in the workplace, the sort of repetition, the absorption of, especially in a vertical organization, you have an executive who's doing it, right? that behavior becomes normalized, right? And that's sort of the more anecdotal way to think about it. So a lot of this research is sort of taking concepts. I don't think it's going to be foreign to anyone who's listening to think that, yeah, if I'm in a workplace ripe with misconduct, like I'm going to stick around or I'm going to stay. Folks know that you're going to leave if you're working in an org with a significant amount of workplace misconduct. And I think what we're trying to do here is take that sort of anecdotal understanding bring it into something that's a little bit more data-driven, data-oriented, uh, and start talking not just about people being more likely to leave, but there's Cornerstone research from, uh, you know, Cornerstone On Demand, Harvard back in 2016, put something out, said about uh, productivity decreases between 30 and 40% in toxic work environments, right? And so this is all about quantifying. And I think the reality is too, Mark, is like, people want to care about this stuff. They do. HR leaders really want to care. Talent acquisition wants to care about this. But all too often, if the business impact and ROI isn't clear to those with the purse strings, it's not always something that's acted upon and actioned in a productive way in the workplace. Right. So that's kind of what we're trying to do here is begin highlighting and saying this stuff matters. Here's where it gets to. Here's how it manifests. Here's how it festers, if you will. Good people are leaving, like you said, and productivity goes down. So you really got to think about what happens with one event and how that transforms into the outcome you just talked about. Now, your research also found that 11% of candidates are engaged in some kind of misconduct. What kind of misconduct would a candidate get into? Or maybe another way to ask the question is, you know, candidates not even your employee yet. So how do they conduct misconduct? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And I think it's a, a, a nuance that we have to capture here, um, you know, not just in this conversation, but is, is highlighted in the research itself. But our focus is on the signals of workplace misconduct, right? When we think workplace misconduct, we think things like harassment, fraud, illegal drug use, for example, right? And so what we're doing here at Fama is offering screening technology that allows you to identify that about the people coming into your organization that in many ways, you know, have normalized that sort of behavior, as I mentioned, right? That have codified that sort of approach to how they engage with their peers, their coworkers, clients, et cetera, in a way, again, that might be intolerant or harassing. It's that sort of very front of the candidate experience that we're trying to say, hey, look, we can identify people who have a history of demonstrating, you know, not just misconduct that you want to try to identify, but might have done it at previous employers or evidence that, you know, uh, in other ways outside of the workplace itself. So that's why, we, you know, what Fama does looking again at, you know, these sort of modern sources, looking at everything from publicly available social media, web results about a subject, online news, civil litigation, et cetera, trying to kind of give an employer their best chance to identify those signs of workplace misconduct before they find their way into the org. And oftentimes, you know, it's not uh, just firing somebody or it's not just not moving forward with a candidate. A lot of times what we've seen clients do is, is use this sort of data and use this insight 
as a platform for intervention. So what I mean by that is to say, hey, look, you know, we saw you making these comments that were misogynistic. You did it, you know, two or three times about four years ago or so. Uh, we think you bring a lot to the table joining, you know, company X, whatever it might be. Um, but we just want to let you know that behavior is not appropriate here, right? So that kind of just course correction and defining the values of your organization through the lens of a new person coming in. That's what we say, yeah, it's not workplace misconduct from someone inside of your company, but people who have demonstrated signals of workplace misconduct that, again, might have been normalized or codified into kind of the uh, daily way they go about their professional life that we want to help you uh, as an employer identify before it finds its way into your org. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. Can you give me an example of, of one of these signals, how you recognize it and what it tells you? Yeah, sure. So, you know, these are uh, uh, things that unfortunately happen every day. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're recording this podcast right on September 21st. There was a article that came out yesterday in the Wall Street Journal about a, a CEO named Kiwi Kamara, for example, uh, at a company called CS Disco, where uh, he was just let go uh, from the company in a very abrupt way, severing a hundred million dollar pay package. And it came out because of uh, his misconduct in the workplace, right? The way he treated women. There's a whole article about it, you know, whether it was alleged groping, things that were happening in the workplace, people treating unfairly, being harassed simply because of their gender, right? And the signal on this person, if you kind of look back in the history, you can find, you know, news articles, for example, that talk about his behavior in college of acting, uh, you know, in an intolerant way towards others, right? So we can actually track back and begin to see for certain individuals a pattern of historical behavior that when we get to the point of saying, oh my gosh, how did we miss this? The signals are out there. So when we think about signals of misconduct, we think about people acting intolerant or hateful towards others, right? People that might have a history of maybe being involved in harassment litigation at a previous company, maybe as a manager or simply as a peer to another person. So that's what, when we say workplace misconduct, what we're talking about is this kind of question of, how do we begin tracking signal, tracking patterns before they find their way into an organ? You know, unfortunately, this, uh, you know, example of this Kiwi Camara person, uh, perfect example of what, you know, could have been avoided by doing a little bit more due diligence on someone before putting them in such a leadership position. But it's not just leaders. Again, this happens across the entire employment spectrum. And what, what can an employer do, you know, to address this if, if they find that they've got a lot of signals? you know, across their workforce. Are there things that they can do to, I don't know, does it change the culture? Or is it what? Yeah, there's no, there's no uh, uh, one size uh, fits all, but to, to do the old, uh, uh, I'm missing the name of the cartoon. I think it's Captain Planet, but knowing is half the battle, right? That's the very first thing that we kind of start with, which is saying, how do we begin just setting the baseline of where we're at as a company? And that baseline, again, through the the, the research that we've created, you can actually see by industry, for example, like consumer services, you see about a 27% rate of potential workplace misconduct in industries like healthcare, for example, that number drops down to about 4% or so. So you can kind of see what's normal for your industry, what's typical for your industry. And then once you identify and say, hey, look, this is what's happening, you can go all the way from talent recruiting. So you can very look at the front of the funnel, where you're sourcing talent from, 
how you're setting up your interview process, right, to begin, you know, that the candidate selection process, for example, of identifying the types of candidates that might want to work with you. Maybe you begin uh, taking more of a, uh, a DEI approach to the very front of the funnel, talent sourcing, uh, uh, you know, sort of strategies, but getting into, you know, training, for example, uh, intervention early on. And again, just setting the tone through programs, policies, whether it's where you source talent, engage talent throughout that life cycle uh, to really begin, you know, assessing and saying, this is the way that we do things here at this company. And here's how we're going to begin shifting the tide. But again, it's really identifying at the very first bit where misconduct might exist in our workforce. And that's really how we think about it. So once you did all the research and you saw the report and read it, read it through for the first time. What what was the most interesting finding to you? Yeah, the 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 thing again, and I mentioned kind of at the top, but the thing that was most interesting to me that I hadn't quantified, I hadn't seen before, and, and this is a great report. You know, it goes uh, uh, not not touting my touting my own biz, of course, saw my own book here, but. Uh, you know, there are 86 citations in this report, right? We spent a year and a half um, on recruiting daily, putting this together, doing the primary research, excuse me, validating our sources, et cetera. And we learned a lot through the process, you know, about the kind of broader, I would say, like academic view and also professional view and how others have kind of approached this problem. Again, it's that multiplier effect, you know, and, and you don't really understand that that social multiplier effect of misconduct and the normalization, the projection of leadership and what values, for example, are okay at a company and recognizing how that might impact others. So that 1.6x multiplier effect, meaning that, you know, again, one instance of workplace misconduct means there's a 60% likelihood you're going to have more misconduct at the workplace. You can imagine that kind of daisy chain across events, right, where you can see quickly how it's another way of saying, you know, um, one bad apple spoils the bunch in a lot of ways. But you don't you don't want to believe that that's true. You, you I think you you recognize that a lot of companies have those platforms for intervention, whether it's training, policy adherence, uh, reporting mechanisms. There are great companies like All Voices, for example, that do great harassment reporting work, hotlines that you can call, et cetera, to begin you know stopping this sort of stuff in its tracks. Um, but if those checks and balances are not in place, unfortunately, this is something that um, can run wild. You know, misconduct in a company and lead to an outcome that you're only aware of when suddenly you have two, three, four, you know, five, 20% of your staff suddenly deciding that they want to work somewhere else. Well, Ben, it's a fascinating report. I've uh, really enjoyed talking to you about it. Uh, thanks for coming here again, and I hope we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Mark. Appreciate it. If anyone wants to check out the report, head to fama.io and we'll get you a link. My guest today has been Ben Monas, the CEA of Fama, and this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts. To see all of their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcast.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer.
faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.